Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's a good day, and this is your post-election feel-good yet thought-provoking episode with two of the most wonderful people I know, Elaine Williams and Ricky Day. I am honored to call them two of my closest friends, and I'm thrilled they agreed to be on Mojo Girl Madness. I probably gave away too much in the written description of this episode, so I will say no more now. Let's just get to it. Have a margarita with us if you'd like. I'll wrap things up on the back end. Enjoy. Good to see you all. It's so good to see both of you. It's so good to see all of you. It's like, I'm not going to be able to stop smiling the whole time. I know. I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to call cheese. Cheers. 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 It's a new day. It's a new world. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, it's yeah, crazy. It's going to be ridiculous. Drink more rum. Uh, no kidding. Okay, I'm here with <laughs> Elaine Williams and Ricky Day. We're recording this podcast on Friday, November 6th, when the world is still in a little bit of turmoil, but I think we know which direction we're headed. So cheers, ladies and gentlemen. Cheers. 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 Let me tell you a little bit about Ricky Day and Elaine Williams. I'll start with Ricky, because he gave me the more complete bio. <clears throat> Ricky Day was born in St. Louis, Missouri. I did not know that. And raised in Los Angeles, California, where I met him. He's a self-taught visual artist, photographer, and filmmaker, working primarily with themes related to identity, love that, pop culture, and the African-American experience. He lives and works in Harlem, New York. His fine art practice includes photography, filmmaking, painting, collage, and sculpture, while his client-based content creation business includes fashion, editorials, portraiture, and video. He's really remarkable, and I'm going to talk a little bit later about his website and Instagram page because they're awesome. As a fine artist, Ricky recently completed a six-week residency on Governor's Island in New York, making art responding to the residency theme of, quote, boundaries and connections, 100 years of Harlem. Love that. Ricky recently had exhibitions including Black Art Matters at Mog Hall in Zurich, Masterpiece at Band of Vices Art Gallery in L.A., and his solo exhibitions include Brother Outsider, Won't You Come Inside at GMAD in Brooklyn, and Introducing Ricky Day at Busboys and Poets in Washington, D.C. Ricky's photography has appeared in numerous magazines, including GQ, and his commercial clients, past and present, include Google, YouTube, Native Sun, and Interscope Records. As a filmmaker and content creator, Ricky directed the digital short social media film series I Am Native Son in 2019, and in April of this year, he wrote, directed, edited, and starred in his first film, Reflections, a theological reflection piece for New York Theological Seminary, where he is currently enrolled, which I want to know more about. That's very intriguing. Uh, you left off the job. I don't know whether this is on purpose, where we met. We were both tour guides together at Universal Studios about a billion years ago. <laughs> and that's how, how I met Ricky. And that's also how I met Elaine Williams. Let me tell you a little bit about Elaine Williams. Oh, dear. Where do we start? Elaine Williams. <laughs> yeah, no, we're not going to start there. That's yeah. a very short bio. 
Like, it's a little bit longer now. Like, oh, oh no. dear. Okay. <laughs> Elaine Williams has worked in the entertainment industry for over 30 years in TV production and development. She's an actress, a coach, and a senior acting teacher at the Baron Brown Studio in Los Angeles. My favorite acting performance of yours was, of course, that famous Quiznos commercial. And I really want to know, do you like Quiznos or were you acting? Love Quiznos. Okay. Well, truth is important when acting. Deep internal work. It was the method. (laughs) (laughs) Elaine is also one of my best friends since we were in our very early 20s, along with Ricky Day, uh, when we were all three tour guides together at Universal Studios. Elaine is also, although this may have lapsed, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, an ordained minister. Oh, well, indeed. I've had to marry a few people, so. Yes, including me. Including you. I've had the honor of officiating. So, yes. Yes. So uh, she performed the ceremony at my wedding. And then, like the great friend that she is, she drank tequila with me to celebrate my divorce. So... Good times. One never knows. It's an adventure. We have traveled together. We've gone to the Caribbean, most memorably to London for Christmas and New Year's Eve in 2001, where she almost got run over by a bus in Piccadilly Circus, but that's a whole other story. Elaine, like Ricky, are two of the most radiant people that I know. I've never heard a single word said negatively about either of you. You are both the most magnetic, loving people in my universe, and that's why I thought you would be the perfect guest for right after this horribly stressful election season, which we aren't even done with. I mean, who knows what the coming weeks will bring. So, Elaine and Ricky, welcome to Mojo Girl Madness. Yes. 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 Thank you, Katie. You are very, very kind. Well, very kind because I have heard some words. As have I. (laughs) I have heard some words. So, I am happy that you haven't heard them or don't want to pass them. Negative words about you guys? Well, you know, look, I'm a teacher. We all have them. And we, we definitely have them. I'm a teacher and a human. And, you know, we can all be a hot mess in a minute. And so the whole learning experience is sometimes you have to hear those criticisms. And boy, don't be a teacher because your students will tell you about yourself in a second. I got to tell you, that's true because I just became a teacher. Yes. And you get those reviews at the end. And even though I'll get like 3.9 out of four from like, you know, the overall, there's that one student who said something negative and... I don't know. That's that's the stuff that sticks with me. And it's totally. just awful. I know that's just human nature, but it is yeah. awful. But in a way, it's also good because that's your teaching the critic. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're always I'm always telling my students to let me criticize them. Mm-hmm. So I guess I have to try to let them criticize me, even though it's daunting. It's convicting. It's crazy. Well, absolutely. But self-awareness is important. And when yes. you're getting com- and when you're getting comments and feedback that aren't necessarily mm-hmm. positive. You get some sense of self-awareness. You can go inside, take a look at it. Yeah. Being self-aware, I can tell you there have definitely been more negative things said about me than either of you, (laughs) probably both of you two combined. So we'll just leave that there. (laughs) Um, So why don't we start at the beginning of us, Universal Studios. How much do we miss those uniforms? 
Oh God, the polyester with the stripes, <laughs> the, the, the the straw hat, the the gray skirt, the pumps. That might be the, the last pumps. time I wore any pumps. Oh my God. To think that I used to wear like four inch heels every single day. Oh yeah, you were killing it. You thought you were a runway model. She did. Katie stormed down that tram like a runway model. Cause I I always wore the pumps. Other people wore the flats and I'm Mm-hmm. Oh no, you were, come on, you were, you were killing it. You were supermodeling it over there. At the thing. I was always trying to take my hat Perfectly. off and get rid of stuff. And the people on the tour were like, put the hat back on. It's cute. I'm like, uh, yeah, while well, you're sweating underneath <laughs> it. Dying. Thank you. Um, so God, stories back at Universal, you know, I did solicit some information from friends. And the one thing that came up from a couple of people was, do you remember the Howard the Duck screening that they held for as tour guides? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Needless to say, we're yes. not going to talk about Howard the Duck because we didn't really see it. Hello. <laughs> you guys, this is what you do when you're kids. You go, you leave the screening on the lower lot of Universal Studios and you go steal some executive's golf carts and you go on a high speed five mile an hour chase through the back lot up and down psycho hill through little europe somebody smashed into the oversized pumpkins that were being used as prop set dressing on amazing stories and i have no idea what you're talking about okay okay uh, somebody was also somebody was also thrown from a moving cart. The cart was, of course, moving at about a half a mile an hour. But the- <laughs> I know how many limbs did you break on that fall? <laughs> that could have been the same somebody of which you speak. Oh my god! Good times. I remember hearing something about this story. Mm-hmm. I, look, mm-hmm. I say nothing. I'm pleading the fifth. <laughs> Whatever I can plead, I'm pleading it. Well, the story is better than the film, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Ricky, you also, didn't you work on Thriller on the Michael Jackson? You, you Did you stand in for him? I did. I did. Uh, Pam Kornfeld, who was in my training yeah. class. Her cousin was a very famous director, and she called me one day. John Landis. Yeah, we weren't, uh, we weren't working at the time. It was spring, I guess. And uh, mm-hmm. I was in school and college. And she said, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm in school. And she's like, well, I have a potential gig for you. Would you like to work? I'm like, sure. It's like being a stand-in on a music video. I'm like, I'm there. What do you need? So I came in. They looked at me. And they literally looked at me. John Landis walks in, takes me to turn around. He's like, yeah, he's perfect. You got the job. And I'm like, okay, cool. Um, what's the job? And she's like, oh, you're going to be a stand-in. I was like, okay, cool. For what? And what is a stand-in? Because I didn't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but you're going to be stand-in for Michael Jackson on his Thriller video. It's like, what the hell? Are you serious? That is amazing. I didn't know that. Yeah. You didn't know that? No, I did not know that. Isn't that see, awesome? This is going to be one of those things where all the discoveries come up. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, oh yeah. Because we all have separate memories with, e- oh, with yeah. you know, me right. and you, me oh, and yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So fun. So do you have any dish from that Thriller video? Right. Any any distinct memory? No dish that anyone wants to hear. It's all good stuff. I, um, it was, a, you know, a short film. So we mm-hmm. worked on it for nine days. We watched it. That's um, Mika's and my tradition. We watched Thriller on on the big screen every Halloween. So we just every watched Halloween? it. Every Halloween? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's we worked awesome. on it for nine days and being his stand in, I would, you know, for people who don't know what a stand in is, you stand uh, in the place of the main actor so they can take the measurements and get the focus points for the shots and such. And so as a result, I was standing there dressed similarly to him the entire time. And then when they wow. were him, they'd call him over. And sometimes they'd call him over and they weren't quite ready. And so he and I'd be standing to the side, chatting it up. And I was Ugh. nervous as hell like the first day. And he was like, listen, just calm down. We're all family here. Have a good time. Man, and that oh. nine days, we talked about life, our families, our mothers. Because he was amazing. He was like a big brother. Oh. Um, and I got no inkling of any of the weirdness that he had accused of. Right. It, was, it was amazing. Right. But the yeah. most interesting thing about it was it was the height of his fame. So everybody you can imagine will come visit the set. Wow. And you know, one day it's Quincy Jones. The other day it's Dick Clark, I think. Uh, you know, any number of people I met. And I'm a little, you know, black kid from South Central LA working with Michael Jackson. <laughs> so everyone you can imagine is coming to visit the set. And I'm this, even though I'm this kid from South Central LA, by day three or four, it just kind of became normal. I'm like, what are you doing today? I'm like, oh, I'm going to work with Michael Jackson. And it was no big deal. And he's like, oh, I want you to meet someone. And every day it was like somebody new and amazing. Uh, but this one particular day, he's like, Ricky, come here. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, I want to introduce you to somebody. I'm like, oh, who is it today? He's like, no, follow me. And so we're in, we're downtown LA and where we're shooting, we're shooting the zombie dance scene. And then there's this warehouse <laughs> and you have to walk in the warehouse. We had some, some stuff set up in a warehouse and there's, in the warehouse, there's this office. So we get back to where the doors are of the office and there's these two guys in black suits standing there. And he's like, they have to search you first. Now I need you to understand what? the streets blocked off, right. the streets blocked off, then the sets blocked off and no one's on the set that doesn't belong there. So I'm thinking they all know where, what the, who the hell is behind these doors? We walk in the doors, this is dimly lit, softly lit room. And he says, Ricky, I want to introduce you to my friend Jacqueline. Jacqueline, this is Ricky, he's my stand-in on the video. It was Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis. Get out! What? Get the fuck out of town. How did I not know this story? Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis. Oh my God. And my, she said, nice to meet you. And you know what my first words to her were? What? Oh my God, you're in my history book. <laughs> oh my god way to make her feel like a hundred years old jesus exactly <laughs> oh tell me she laughed though tell me she was gracious she did she laughed she looked at me like what, what? <laughs> i'm sure she's heard weirder things <laughs> and then she laughed i'm like no i'm sorry i just i'm taking world history right now and i just read <laughs> Meanwhile, Michael's like, he's not with me. He's like, right. yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, it, it was amazing. He's like, <laughs> okay, Ricky, uh, bye. <laughs> oh my God. That is so awesome. Yeah, it was amazing. And it changed the course of my life. Yeah, too bad we didn't have, well, it's, I still think it's good that we didn't have camera phones back then. You know? I think it's, are you kidding me? I thank <laughs> the Lord daily that we didn't have camera phones. Daily oh, to document my. the chaos. You know, when I said to some of our mutual friends out there, you know, what stories am I forgetting with Ricky and Elaine? Almost universally, they said, and this is multiple, multiple people said, well, but you can't talk about that publicly. Exactly. It's like, okay, you guys. I'm so thankful. And please thank all of them for me. Oh, please. of course. Oh, you guys, you guys are so loved. It's wonderful. Well, it's uh, also because we have the same stories with them that they don't want to talk to. Exactly. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Yeah. They're like, my mother will be listening. It's like, right. oh my God. Oh, wait. Speaking of mothers, how's your mom, Elaine? Oh, she's doing great. 
She is doing great. She just I turned 88. Oh my she, goodness. She is the keeper of every history. She and looks the keeper great. Of every, I know she's pretty, doing pretty darn good. This whole last, I know we're going to get oh. into it, but this whole last four years has been something for her because wow. I mean, she's, I'm, sure. uh, I'm from Indiana, of course. Um, and she uh, is originally from Montgomery, Alabama. Wow. So, you know, that time, that life, Mm-hmm. The things she's seen. I mean, so often she says to me, Kate, and I, we, I've told you this, and Ricky, I know you understand, that there are a lot of stories she doesn't want to think about mm-hmm. or tell mm-hmm. or reflect on because they were so scarring. And, you know, she and my father were the biggest ag- advocates and activists and, and uh, social workers. And Weren't they married by Martin Luther King Jr.? Yes, they were. When He, he was performed just, the ceremony. Yes, I mean, he did. Yes, he did. <sighs> Now, how did I not know this story? Okay. Right. And this was, my mother always talks about how, you know, he was just a young, I don't know if he was a deacon, but he was young then. So he was just up and coming in the church, but it was the main pastor of the church who set all of the ideologies and the thoughts and the, you know, everything for them. And the sentence she always says is, he would say, you got to be ready to kind of lay down your life. And she said, you know, we were living in a time where you really didn't know. The, yeah. the amount of violence and the vitriol and the, the foul meanness, the true meanness that would happen in those times. I mean, we're revisiting in it mm-hmm. in many, many ways, unfortunately. Many ways. But at that time, I mean, my goodness, the, the possibility for somebody to actually see a body. Uh, I mean, they were still burning crosses in Indiana on our Jesus. front lawn, you know, <laughs> in my time. And so she always talks about that, that determination and so for all of this to be happening when Mm -hmm. she felt we had turned a corner Mm -hmm. i remember the night that obama was elected his first time i remember texting with you i was over at mark and Jeannie's. we were crying yeah you know uh, tears of happiness obviously and you and i were texting and and as soon as they announced indiana had gone for obama i i I, you said my mom is crying she's overwhelmed i mean they were going i mean you know just like uh, we talk about people everybody the Stacey Abrams is the everybody, people who could have had a, a defeat. Thank you, Stacey Abrams. Thank you, Stacey Abrams. Thank you, Stacey Abrams. But, I, you know, that's that old school knock on the door, grassroots. you got to go person by person. Yeah. And, of course, both parties know to do that. That's, that's nothing new. Mm-hmm. But that was the only way that an entrenched place like Indiana yeah. was going to turn or flip. And yeah. so they were just in so, and I was with Jim, you know, Jim Miller, and we were just in tears and just with a, a whole group of folks. Mm-hmm. And it was just constant texting, constant calling, constant hope, <laughs> constant. Ah, it was know. such a great night. Oh it my was, God. It was marvelous. And so for my mother to be of an age where she could see that mm-hmm. and she's mm-hmm. like, okay, we're, 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 this work was not for, for nothing. Mm, these and, last four years must've been devastating. It was tough. I mean, it is for everybody. And, you know, of the three of us, I'm the palest, obviously. (laughs) I, you know, I know what it's like being, you know, a woman trying to, you know, break into a predominantly male field. But I have no clue what experiences you guys have. As much as I'd like to believe that I understand the pain and the hurt, it's, I don't think anybody that's not in it can really grasp it. And no, it's tough. Well, that's something that I appreciate about you, Katie, because that's all you need. 
Uh, there are a lot of experiences that I don't have. And if I could admit that I don't know what's going on in the other person's shoes, yeah. if I can eventually wake up enough to go, I don't know, mm-hmm. tell me, mm-hmm. then maybe something can happen. But when folks get to a point where they don't care, they don't know, mm-hmm. they don't want to know, then it's tough. Yeah. And the not and- wanting to know is a clear sign that they know. Hello. Yeah. It's a clear yeah. sign that they know when they don't want to accept uh, it. It's amazing how many people do not self-reflect and are not self-aware in, in this society. They don't step outside themselves and look at who they are, which is a really tough thing to do. I, I was going to say, it's scary it's to do that. It's hard for me. I mean, that, <laughs> it's scary to do that. Like you're saying, it's like, you know, mm-hmm. there's something in there that's got to change. That's what makes me laugh when I was saying, oh yeah, Ricky and I can both understand how we get the negativity and you got to do the self-reflection. Well, it'll take me months sometimes. You know how it just nags at you, mm-hmm. but it's nagging at you for a reason. Yeah. You know, there might've been some truth in it. And even if it's not a truth that is indicting, it was a place where you could grow. Yeah, And that's like, that hurts me. I'm a scaredy cat and I don't want to know. And I don't want to, sometimes I don't want to do the hard work and, but it'll keep nagging me and nagging me until I finally process it. Yeah. But it's worth it to do the hard work to get rid of the easy pain. Yes. Yeah. What'd you say? Say that again. It's worth it to do the hard work to get rid of the easy pain. Come on now. What a great quote. That's awesome. People literally get addicted to almost anything. You can get addicted Mm -hmm. to drugs, to alcohol, to sex, but you can also get addicted to pain, to suffering, to being a victim. Chaos. Chaos. You get addicted Mm -hmm. to it. That's why there's so much self-sabotage with people who've grown up in dysfunctional households, who grew up with abuse. It's, it's what you know, and it's your life doesn't feel normal unless you create some of that in your own world. I mean, I was, yes. I was married to someone like that. I've been like that myself. And yes. I love what you said, though, Elaine, about that it's room to grow and, it's, and make yourself a better person when you do this type of self-reflection. And I think that among the people I know, there's not a white person I know that hasn't done a little bit of self-reflecting over the last few years when so much has been brought to light, so much that's existed even tenfold previously. But oh, yeah. but right now, I mean, I look at myself and I'm certainly not on the right wing spectrum, but where can I improve? What can I do? And I want things pointed out. So if I say a turn of phrase that's like been in my lexicon for years that is somehow sexist or racist, I want that pointed out because I will try not to use that turn of phrase again. And it's stuff that's just in our regular discourse, you know? Well, let's talk about how inappropriate, I know how inappropriate I am with the things I say personally <laughs> and then the things I say publicly. But now I'm just getting, I'm learning so much from the kids that I know just in life mm-hmm. and my students. I mean, let's talk about the pronouns. I'm like an old right. lady. I might as well be Methuselah the way I see it. Because I'm like, <laughs> hold on now. What, what's that? What's this? And what's that? And you feel like, I felt like there was a point in life where I knew some things. Yeah. But I have to be honest. Now I feel like I'm at a point in life where I know nothing. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I have to be open to unlearning and relearning and updating. Mm-hmm. And this whole technology boom, you know, from COVID and everything, we've had to learn stuff that we never mm-hmm. had to learn before. Well, it's interesting when you when we talk about language and pronouns and things, because yes. the, there's a whole big question. I've heard people say, what the hell is Latinx? 
I've studied Spanish yeah. and I speak some Spanish and I've been to a lot of Spanish speaking countries. And it always struck me that words were either masculine or feminine. They either ended with an O or an A or an I-O-N or whatever. And I thought that was the machismo society, never thinking that I should reflect on the English language and how many things define femininity and masculinity. Yeah. Yeah. And wouldn't it be great if we were all just human beings and not classified by anything at all other than I'm Katie, you're Elaine, you're Ricky. And, and I have to say to my classes teaching, I'm like, okay, I don't know what's inappropriate and what's appropriate anymore because I'm so indoctrinated into talking about a masculine role, a feminine mm -hmm. role, uh, a masculine role that could be recast. As, like it's so much in the vernacular of what makes up a character, right. what behaviors make up a character. So my students are like, well, here, we'll help you out. Absolutely, they will. We'll talk to you about what fluidity is. We'll talk to you about how we don't want to be labeled in this or that. We'll talk to you about archetypes. And then we can all figure out the depth and breadth right. of what archetypes really now can mean. Yeah. And whose eyes were they seen through? Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm, what kind mm -hmm. of casting? I mean, people, we, we've been going through a whole thing about diverse Diversity, obviously, in Hollywood, but in casting and everything else, right? Right. So some folks don't want to play roles of their own ethnicity because they may not feel they're prepared to compete with the other folks who may have gotten other looks at different types of roles. <sighs> then some oh, folks are like, I've never played a Black role in my life. Can I please have one? I've never played a Latin. Can I please have one? Can I, as a woman explore playing a male kid. Can I please? So it's yeah. a whole interesting thing how do yeah. you, of how we're working through it. I remember seeing, a, um, it was the play Frankenstein uh, from the National Theater in London. With Benedict Cumberbatch. Yes, I saw, and Johnny Lee. Miller. Yeah, and it was awesome. And they switched roles. They both won the Olivier, and I saw it when, with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch as, as Frankenstein. But what struck me, and I thought it was like, this is so great is their casting, they don't, you know, uh, Johnny's father was African, well, was not African-American, he was black, because it was a British production. And there were all different eth ethnicities playing members of the same family. And, and it was like, totally normal. They were just human beings. And you totally bought them in that, those roles. It's like what happened with Hamilton. Mm -hmm. And I think that's beautiful for, for our country in particular to, to see. I mean, I think we need it all. We have to make space for every voice. And of course, it's always going to be highly competitive. It's always going to lean toward money and privilege and the small group and the small town thing mm -hmm. and the good old boys network and the like you only hire who you know. Right. But we have to bust all that down because people have stuff to say. Yeah, absolutely. People have oh. stuff to say that's going to benefit the people who are trying to deny them from saying it in the first place. So you'd actually do yourself a disservice when you do that. That's absolutely right. But you know, what's tough for us as a country is we're not really alone in the kind of evil that we've inflicted in the world. But mm -hmm. what we are singular in is the denial of it. Yes. Wow. Yeah. 
we are singular in our denial of it. We absolutely refuse to admit that this country was built on the back of free forced slave labor. Yeah. We absolutely refuse to admit the annihilation of the indigenous people. Talk about it. Absolutely. Talk about whose land it was. All of those things. Yeah. And the rewriting of history. Mm-hmm. And history is written by the victors. That's why we have to keep winning. <laughs> and there's no, there, it, it has no bounds. It's crossed over even into religion. Yeah. American Christianity is like, wait, what are yeah. you talking about? Jesus well, would throw all this out the window. I know, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> I already know. We're going we're gonna to get to that. We're going to get to that, Katie. We're going to get to that. They're looking at my face, you guys, and reading something into it. As but, soon, as soon, don't, don't wait. We're going to talk about the spirit. We're going to talk, gonna talk about, about the universe. It. We're, we're going to talk, talk about, about it. We're going to talk about a cloud. We're going to talk about a mountain. <laughs> By the time we're done with you, we're going to baptize you, sister. We're going to talk I've about I've been something. baptized. <laughs> well, there we go. We're going to have you accept the baptism. Go on, come on now. So, Ricky, what is this theological uh, institute that you're doing right now? What is that? Are you studying to be a priest? Are you guys both going to be ministers? We very likely could both end up being ministers. Jesus, so uh, am I like the Antichrist to you? What's going on? No, 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 no. no. I, uh, this is amazing. I'm a true I'm a true disciple of Christ in that I do not judge other people, which is foundational nice. to who he was. But no, I'm in New York Theological Seminary. I'm in a certificate program now debating getting a master's. And it's really a debate because I love God, who I believe in, uh, and I love Jesus. But church and organized religion, I'm not a fan of. And I'm actually less yeah. a fan of yeah. the more I study it at seminary. So we shall see if I end up being somebody's pastor. But I think it's important to understand you know, philosophy and the religions of the world and the thoughts that they are sharing with us and all right. the ways they can make us better because you can't make an informed decision about what you really want to be or who you want to believe in mm-hmm. if you don't know about it. Uh, and I feel the call to service, I feel the call to helping people and I needed to really understand what that meant. So that's why I'm studying, I'm learning, I'm growing. I love that. And I'm challenging everything that I thought I understood. How can you understand other people? Absolutely. I mean, my parents, really would always talk to me about, now, wait a minute now. They, they were not fans of dogma, mm-hmm. uh, um, organized religion. Right. I think they felt that it was a, a, a weaker leaning that allowed people not to really do their full immersive study of mm-hmm. self, history, uh, as Ricky saying, philosophy, principle, mm-hmm. that people didn't do it. So I wasn't brought up in a church. Mm-hmm. But I know my heart leads me to certain things, just like you, Katie. I mean, you're always so funny. We have we've had these conversations before <laughs> ever. <laughs> and you know, Katie will bring you a Jesus gift that'll make you have tears in your eyes. How many have I brought out. you? Oh my God, probably 50. Every and time I go I, on a trip, Ricky, I, I bring Elaine a souvenir. I brought her the, the um, there's the Jesus flashlight. Show me the light. There's I, I the, the Jesus, Jesus key with chain now. The keychain, <laughs> the snow globe. The holy water from the, the Vatican. That I was did. On sale. That was on sale because it was from the previous Pope who was still alive, but they'd shut him away somewhere. So they Come had on. his holy water Come with on. his face on the bottle on the clearance shelf at the Vatican. Vatican gift shop. I kid you not. I sent her a photo. Come on. So I got you that. I got you the Jesus action figure with movable limbs. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, and I'm not making fun of the religion that way. I'm just, you know, I know that you're. No, no, of course we know that. No, it's with love, with love. And honestly, I'm, 
I've always been against organized religion. I have a lot of theories about why organized religion exists and what it's been misused for. But I think, I don't know whether you have the book, Elaine, or I borrowed it from you. There was this one book that I had called One, I think. And it oh, was yeah, one, just, oneness. yeah, yes. it was Oneness. Yeah. And it was an overview of all, all right. the, the tenets of the major religions around the world. Yeah. And fundamentally, yeah, if, you, if, if when the cream rises to the top, you take the cream off of all of them. And it's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. And it's mm-hmm. all the same. But it's it's everything that that beauty has been misused and mistranslated and misconstrued and and manipulated for whatever reason that where everything's gone wrong. I think well put, because at the essence of the thing, Mm -hmm. it's in your own heart and it's your own decision making and it's the same energy. Yes. And then the thing that always cracks me up is my parents not raising me in church, uh, you know, so you can make your own decision about what you want to do them not really being fans of organized religion, but having mm-hmm. studied it really very much. My dad was very much like you, Ricky. Mm-hmm. He, he had studied everything in philosophy and everything else. So he, he had a basis for it, but talk about some people like you, Katie, who are the people who were living the principles. There are folks who say they're Christian. They're not living the principles. Then there are folks who don't call themselves a thing and they're living every principle. Yeah. And that's well, I don't know about every principle. But, you know. <laughs> well, I'm not living there, but I look. <laughs> but I try. I don't feel like I need a religion to tell me what's right and wrong and good and bad. Yes. I know when I make good choices. I know when I make not good choices. Yes. And, you know, you try to err on the good side. Absolutely. Know? And that's what it's about. It's like, what's the intention? Are you kidding? I, I make so many mistakes. I, I need the guidance that comes from my love mm. of Jesus and the energy of it or the thought of it. But that's what I'm looking for. I want to get, I want to just try to be more right and, and do more things that are helpful. Mm. And, yeah, and, you know, you know. I, I, I agree with you, Elaine, but what I would add is, and, and I think this kind of drives all of it from politics to religion and, the, and forward. Um, I think, you know, regardless of what you believe, I happen to believe that we're created in God's image. And as being created in God's image, he's the creator, therefore we're creator. And we all are creating every moment of our life, consciously or unconsciously. How do you define God? Because when I hear you say that, uh, I pull back because I hear you say he and 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 his image. Now watch your pronouns, Katie. Open up for your pronouns now. Yeah, but I I hear you describing someone (laughs) like I see in these ludicrous paintings with a white guy in blue eyes and a long white beard. As I I mean, uh, what the fuck? I'm so glad you called me on that because actually I am in at New York Theological Seminary, which is relatively progressive. Mm-hmm. Um, we tend to not use pronouns for God anymore. Yes. It's just God yes. for the obvious reason. I love that. So I'm not talking about politically correct reasons. I'm talking about if we are created in God's image, then clearly God is very diverse in the form that God could take. But what I was getting to is that in at the core of our creativity the tool that we use to create at all times mm-hmm. is choice. Right. And every choice you make at its core, mm-hmm. you're choosing between love or fear. Every second of every day. And almost everything you can think of that you perceive as negative has fear at the root. Mm-hmm. People are greedy because they're afraid there isn't enough. People yep. are racist or evil to other people because they're afraid that they're not enough for the these other people are going to do this thing to them. Right. And people who are religious 
are not immune from that fear, which is why the church has done so many awful things in the past. Because mm -hmm. you got to remember in like medieval times or whatever, they were at the mercy of, well, if this king doesn't protect us, we're not going to exist. So the next <laughs> thing you know, the church is intermixed in politics and stuff, and it's become this yep. corrupt, horrible thing for various periods. But at your core, every choice is a choice between love and fear. And mm -hmm. so when you're talking about doing the right thing or doing that best thing or whatever, you know, you look at the situation you're in and you say, given the situation, mm -hmm. what's the most loving choice I can make? Mm -hmm. And always include yourself in that love. So if you're in no. a really horrible, abusive relationship, the most loving choice you can make, obviously, is to remove yourself from it, to protect yourself from further harm. But it's also loving to the other person because they're likely to not get the help that they need to stop abusing you and therefore abusing themselves unless you remove yourself and them from that situation. So that becomes clearly a loving choice. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So if you think about it, you can apply it to everything. But there's also this idea that that's a difficult thing as a human being. Mm -hmm. That's a difficult thing as a creating spirit in a fleshly body that sometimes has longings and yearnings and doesn't jibe and connect up with how to make those knee jerk choices. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so many choices I've made in my life where I was just unconscious and not in the way that I was unconscious because my intention was so right that I could just be in flow. I was unconscious because right. of pains or fears, like Ricky's saying that I hadn't dealt with, still dealing with. And what's so humbling is that you can get it almost like on track and then it can be off track in a second if you're talking about choice yeah so how do you how do you train yourself up and soften yourself up and mm -hmm. allow yourself to to keep in that I um, think I have a problem when I'm told what my choice needs to be right by whatever group is is out there yeah. is the authority right right <laughs> Because I do believe I can see what's what's right and what's wrong and what's good and what's bad. And yeah, I, that's... I keep trying to see what's possible. Yes. Because where I get into a little bit of a sticky wicket is I don't see the possibility. And there's always a possibility. Right. Always. There's always a way through or out. There's always an exit. <laughs> But sometimes I don't or see around. it. Or around. <laughs> or around. Or around. Or just let it go on by and don't yeah. engage it. You don't yeah. try to fix mm -hmm. it. So that's what always gets me is that I don't, to get those knee-jerk responses that may come from something that's so unconscious to me. That what you said, Ricky, is going to stick with me about when you're in a bad relationship. It's not only helpful to you, but it's helpful to the other person to remove yourself from that situation. Yeah. Love it. And it's loving. Because yeah. if you're allowing somebody to continue to abuse you, first of all, they're clearly got something going on inside them that's right. making them abuse you in the first place. Right. And it's probably drugs, alcohol, things from childhood. Who knows? So you're not help. You're enabling them to not only hurt you, but they're hurting themselves in the mm -hmm. process. And if they continue to hurt you, they may harm your life, you physically. Then you're hurt. You're dead. You're maimed, whatever it may be, they're in prison. Like everyone loses in that situation. Yeah. It's not loving to stay there, no matter how much, oh, I love him. No, you're not being loving by staying there. And you can still love someone and remove yourself from the situation. Absolutely. That can be a statement of your love. Yeah. That's right. And somebody can leave you. And it's the best thing. I have been equally the, the toxic Ooh. person as I have uh, uh, the moments where I hope I have been the helpful person. Me too. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I have been the one that was like, oh, you should have left me a long time ago because <laughs> I was not in my righteous mind uh, uh, within my behavior. And so we're working that out together. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so difficult. Yeah, it is. And I think we also have to get off these notions of right and wrong. I know what's right. I know what's wrong. I know it's going to sound crazy as an African-American in America. But (laughs) when I step outside of myself, sometimes you have to think about what is driving these people to support this kind of evil. Yeah. You're going to look at these people and think, oh, millions of people are just all evil and bad and crazy. That's not a loving thought, first of all. And the thing is, you have to realize, I, I don't know that anybody in history has ever done something that they didn't believe was right. 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 We all do the best as we can with what we know in that particular moment in time. Yeah. If you yeah. think, oh, my God, my wonderful God-fearing country is being corrupted by these crazy radicals that are... I mean, I don't know if a boy's a girl or a girl's a boy, and I don't know if up is down or whatever, and what's going on. I mean, it, it seems crazy to us because we've embraced diversity and all these things. Right. But if you're living in those spaces and you haven't seen anything other than that, that's mm-hmm. not just ignorance or stupidity. That's genuine human fear. Yeah, it's what they know. Right. And you're not going to get further by making them more afraid. If hate is a fear-based emotion, then making them more fearful is going to make them hate you. More. Yeah. You've got to open those doors. That's why Martin Luther King's nonviolent way worked because yeah. he was able to start to show people other people's humanity. And they started to think about it and start mm-hmm. to pull back from the precipice. That's what scares me about this moment because we, despite whatever the election is going or whatever, right. we're not pulling back from the precipice. We're right. digging our heels in on both sides. We're digging in. We're civil warring. I mean, that's what you were talking about earlier, that our country has not come to our sins or ills or whatever, however you want to talk about them. We haven't processed them and we don't want to necessarily, all of us. And so in education, we have blind spots. A lot of blind spots. So this idea of exposure, this idea of travel, education. You've so got to important. see other folks. Absolutely. Got, and, to and realize it, that they're the same as you. Yeah, that's it. That they we all are problem. more alike than we are yeah. not. Absolutely. And you've got to understand how we all are guilty of yes. doing the opposite of that. Yes. Right. I love New York, and New York is going to kill me for saying this, but I haven't <laughs> been anywhere more provincial than New York can be. People think they know everything about a small town in the Midwest, and they do not. If you haven't spent time there, you don't understand their values or what's important to them and what freaks them out, candidly. Yeah. And vice versa. They don't understand. And what they think of you. Right. Right. And why they think it. And why some of it actually makes sense. (laughs) My mom lives outside of Chicago, like an hour and a half outside of Chicago, in a relatively small town. I get it. I get why what they see on TV of us could look crazy to them and mm-hmm. freak them out and scare them. I'm not saying I support it or I agree with it, but I understand. Yeah. Well, now you're talking something. Yeah. If you love people, you're going to look for the you're going to look for the points of connection. You know what I mean? You're mm-hmm. going to look for ways to what's similar about us. What yeah. can where are the points of uh, connection and agreement? Start and, there. And, then and we what's our storytelling? What's our storytelling model? My mom mm-hmm. sometimes says, well, I'm looking at you. I'm like, I know. She's like, I'm looking at you. What does she mean when she says that? She means we're part of an industry Yeah. that whether it be journalistically 
Mm-hmm. What do you see on the news? Yeah. You oh, see yeah. the 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 content that drives advertising and money. Mm-hmm. So we all want our democracy, this wonderful dream of democracy. We've mm-hmm. got to uphold that. Boy, oh yeah. boy. But then this capitalism, and I don't begrudge yeah. somebody for making their money and doing their thing, but then are we maintaining our real drive toward a thing? So that she looks at me because she's like, wait a minute. Now, the stories that come out of Hollywood, how are you portraying people? And who's telling those stories? From whose point of view? Hello? And she's always saying, we are such a soft people. Why don't people know that? Mm -hmm. Why don't people know that? Absolutely. And that is because of the story. You'd never know that looking at... That's right. Yeah. Can we not... not, Don't move past that. Because that is profound. And I don't think people understand, realize, or accept that. We are a soft people. We are. My mother says it daily. The thing that most white people are afraid of is that we're going to wake up one day and do to you what you've done to us and half the damn world. That's right. We're not interested in that at all. Not at all. We don't want revenge. We don't want anything other than be left alone and treated equally. That's it. Isn't that kind of what everybody wants? Yes. That's what everybody wants. The pursuit of happiness. The softness and the goodness of Black folk, of folk, period, but the softness of Black men. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm looking at you because mm-hmm. where are those stories? And it's not, see, it doesn't matter if we have a billion stories. Then you can tell all the, the jiggity-jaggity stories. That's what other, some other cultures have the privilege to do. Mm-hmm. There are so many stories told about that particular culture that mm-hmm. you're getting a, a wealth and depth and breadth. Right. Uh, of, and so people go, oh, well, that's not everybody, clearly. But then for some cultures and colors, you're just getting three stories over and over mm-hmm. because that's what over over. people have been conditioned to see. And somehow they enjoy that moniker. But it's like, how, how, how were slaves, you know, suckling babies at people's breasts and raising people's children? And you didn't get the softness? What? It's, 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 it's as you and said, then- it's profound. And what happens is then we start to embody that stuff. That's right. Be not careful. And the other thing you spoke about, that, that softness of black men, that's real. But that's, that's where real. fear comes back in. Yes. Because we do not want people to know that because we're afraid that they'll treat us even worse if they understand oh, how boy. soft and how human we really are. That they'll take advantage of you. Oh, yeah. boy. That's huge. But isn't that something yeah. for people, too? Because I get anxious and I get scared and then I'm not even good at putting up a, a mean or strong or tough front. And then that gets you in trouble. That's absolutely right, too. That we're all running around in just such fear of each other. Absolutely. So what do we do? Okay, that was part one of my conversation with Elaine and Ricky. I hadn't intended this to be a two-part episode, but we just kept talking and there was really good stuff and I didn't want to edit everything out. So I just split it into two. So tune in next week for part two and the continuation of The Madness. We'll be talking about that eternal search for happiness, equality, the election, getting older, and that damned soul train line. I'll also give you a great mad quote next week from Ms. Elaine Williams herself. Don't forget to hit that subscribe, follow, or favorite button so part two shows up when it's posted next week. And remember, you can always get in touch with me with any questions or comments at either IamMojoGirl at gmail.com 
or on the podcast website, mojogirlmadness.com. Until next week, please stay safe and healthy. Love you madly. Thank you.